turns the corner at the 21st down, breaks a tackle at the 25, breaks another at the 30, and he's loose! Gets the carry, and he's loose! Inside the 50, 40, to the 30, 20, 10, touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go! It's your man Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending 15 minutes with me today. We're here in week 7, prime midseason form, and our Minnesota Vikings sit at 4-2 with a big matchup against the Detroit Lions coming on Sunday. The Lions, fresh off a frustrating one-point loss, 23-22 to the Green Bay Packers on Monday night. People hating on the refs after the game. What else is new in the NFL these days? But the show goes on. Detroit quickly turns home. Ford Fields where it's Vikings at Lions in Week 7. Our Vikes at 4-2, the Lions at 2-2-1, and it'll be the third and last divisional road game for our Vikings this year. Thank you goodness. Minnesota struggled in games at Lambeau and Soldier, but they haven't been stressed that much lately. We saw our team overcome some locker room adversity, saw players upset for the right reasons, and recovered to blow out the Giants, then blow out the Philadelphia Eagles, moving to 3-2 in the conference and 3-0 at home. Now Minnesota gets a chance to even their road record, win a key divisional game, and go streaking win three in a row. That makes this game a giant heat check. Heat check for the Vikings defense, making the Eagles offense look like a one-man band. Carson Wentz and that's it. This game was the standard bend-don't-break affair that we should be used to from Mike Zimmer's unit. If 20 points seemed like a lot, it's not. That's the least amount of points the Eagles scored this year. And eventually, the Eagles did break. Then Neil Hunter becoming the youngest sack master in the history of the NFL. Eric Kendricks closing back-to-back drives with a sack of his own before the forced fumble. That is fellow Bash brother Anthony Barr scooped up. Then Mac Alexander finishes him with the fourth quarter interception. Just another dominant performance for that defense allowing 16 points per game. Heat check for Dan Bailey. All that preseason special team drama is nothing. The most accurate kicker in the NFL hasn't missed a kick, field goal, or extra point since week two. I hope I'm not jinxing him, but it's time to give the man some love for 18 kicks in a row made. And hell. Give Marwan Malouf some love too, baiting the Eagles into that pathetic fake field goal attempt. That dude Anthony Harris doesn't fall for it, gets the pass deflection, and Everson Griffin gets his second interception of his career. Heat check for Kirk Cousins. First he's apologizing, then linebackers are calling him out, then he's taking souls with dimes dropped cold all over the field. 75% completion percentage, 11.5 yards per attempt, 4 touchdowns, we said it in the offseason, we love it when Kirk goes deep. And Cousins played with confidence all day long. 
this is the Kirk we needed to see. This is a Kirk that had to step up immediately and did. Some want to discount the performances because the Giants aren't that good, because the Eagles don't have a secondary, but come on fam, we give credit here where credit is due. Kirk's heating up and that's plain to see, and he deserves all that credit for two main reasons. First, the game got close and Kirk responded. While the early deep shots will draw all the highlights, the Eagles crept back made it a four-point game. The exact point where things get tight, when pressure starts to mount, when fans start to worry about blowing the lead. Then what happened next? Nine-play, 75-yard drive where Kirk goes 5-for-5, five 40 yards, and his fourth touchdown. Next offensive drive, 2-for-2 two for, two for 42 yards, and then Diggs draws the pass interference penalty to put the ball on the one-yard line. Dalvin Cook bangs it in. So Kirk went 7-for-7 seven seven for 82 yards and a touchdown after the game got quote-unquote tight. You tell me, does that count as clutch? Do back-to-back 75 and 85-yard touchdown drives, expanding the lead from 4 to 18 points? You tell me if that counts. Second, Kirk deserves credit because the game rested on his shoulders and he delivered. Not in the general sense we know the quarterback is important in every game, but in this game, going up against a defense with a strong front four and weak back seven, everybody knew they had to pass the ball. From the second they started game planning, during the week, sitting down at the table planning the attack, Minnesota knew they'd have to go into that game and throw and throw and throw. For a quarterback often criticized for only being the sum of the parts around him, a QB that many suggest they hide schematically, this was a very important show. It says maybe they don't need to hide Kirk because when they made the entire game plan center around him, he delivered. That, to me, is both compelling for the potential of the 2019 Vikings, and it's interesting in the past Baker vs. Chef debate that circulated around Kirk Cousins in this offseason. Matt Waldman wrote an article on Cousins in July. We covered it on the Climbing the Pocket Network. It classified Kirk as a quarterback who goes by the book, but can't create on his own. It's a great article, and it's very true. And the game on Sunday proves it. We saw Kirk execute a week-long game plan to perfection. From the first snap and even when the game got close in the third quarter, he showed us his ceiling as a baker. The games against the Giants and the Eagles don't make him a chef. Kirk still struggled when the game plan fell apart in Green Bay and Chicago. We still don't know if he can turn it on mid-game or if he can consistently lead comeback victories. So hold on with this perceived offensive revolution passing-led attack. Diggs and Thielen burning DBs, remember, that's what we saw for the first half of 2018, and it got our Minnesota Vikings nowhere. Because sooner or later, defenses adjust, they plan for what you put on film. Take Detroit for example, they saw Stephon Diggs go off last week, they saw Adam Thielen go off the week before. 
do we really think that Minnesota can attack them the same way they attacked Philly? It's not Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas back there, it's Justin Coleman and Darius Slay. Both those guys are allowing under 60% completion when targeted, and Coleman deflects 16% of passes thrown his way. Detroit's defense ranks 5th in pass success rate allowed, and 21st in rush success. They're the 3rd best team in defending wide receivers, allowing 6.3 yards per attempt, and the 31st best team when defending tight ends, allowing 10 yards per attempt. That's what's so exciting about what the Minnesota offense has done so far under Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. Recently, they've shown the ability to strike with their elite receivers, but they've also got Dalvin Cook cutting up defenders, they've flashed Irv Smith Jr., they're keeping Alex Madison and Kyle Rudolph involved. The strength of the Vikings offense isn't a pass-versus-run discussion. It's about versatility and how that diversity allows them to attack defenses where they're weak. They don't need to stubbornly throw at a high volume into matchups on the outside. Diggs versus Coleman, Thielen versus Slay. They can be smart, pick their spots there while forcing the Lions linebackers, Christian Jones and Gerard Davis, force them to chase Dalvin Cook in the open field. Both are bottom half of the league in run stop percentage and tackling efficiency. Make their defensive line, it's a good D-line, but they're built to rush the passer. So make them defend the run, and make them respect those tight ends and jumbo sets, leaking Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith into routes after play action. I'm with our man Nick Olsen, I'm all for an Irv Smith breakout game in week 7. Look for that. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, when our bikes are going against the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, hopefully then they can attack different weaknesses, whatever they may be, attack them with confidence. Because the offense is versatile, it's not a JDF one trick pony this year. Quick injury updates y'all remember, Josh Klein and Ben Gideon didn't play against the Eagles, Gideon recovering from a concussion, Klein battling a foot injury. Eric Wilson and Dakota Dozier started in their place. To be honest, I didn't notice either of them. I guess that's a good thing you usually don't want to notice offensive linemen or it means they're doing a bad job. Dozier did not play particularly great. It'd be really nice to get Klein back sooner the better. The good news is he's already back practicing. Not so lucky for Gideon. We know we can trust Wilson, but we didn't see much of him on Sunday. The Eagles were behind and passing so much, Zimmer opted to put Mackenzie Alexander, Mike Hughes, and J. Ron Curson over Wilson. Eric only played 8 snaps. And hey, look here, the rookie, the Trojan linebacker Cam Smith, he got in on the first 3 plays of his career. Also back, Hercules Mata'afa, dressing for the first time since week 3. 15 pass rush snaps, 0 pressures. The Vikings continue to rotate him and Jalen Holmes giving both looks. Going into the next game against Detroit, Riley Reef's ankle still bothering him. He injured it against the Eagles, missed a couple plays, came back in, then went out for good, and swing tackle Rashad Hill took over from there. Hill played great. 
No pressures or sacks allowed on 22 pass-blocking snaps. Pat Elfline and Dakota Dozier allowed three each. That's the injury update as of Wednesday, so look for how Riley Reef and Ben Gideon are looking later on in the week. Now, Minnesota once again slots into the noontime on Sunday, meaning us fans will be free for Thursday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and Monday night. What should we do with that time? Here's the plan. Skip Thursday night and skip Monday night. On Thursday, the Chiefs play at Mile High Stadium against the Denver Broncos. Divisional matchup. I'm supposed to tell you this game has some intrigue with Kansas City losing two straight and Pat Mahomes hobbling on his ankle. And Denver has won two straight. And the game is in Denver. But I'm sorry y'all, I just don't see it at all. Denver's wins against the Chargers and Tennessee shouldn't impress anybody. Kansas City hit a tough stretch with the Colts and the Texans. I think the Chiefs get right on Thursday night. Don't waste your Thursday, y'all. Go grab dinner with a friend you haven't seen in a long time. Same true for Monday night. Get your bills in order. Just check your phone because no one wants to watch the Patriots play the Jets. What am I even supposed to say about this game? I guess you might have some fantasy games to win, but hey, you can do that on your phone too. Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, that's where the good games lie. Saints at Bears, Teddy Bridgewater, cruising through these one-score wins, four in a row for him, and a key fourth-quarter touchdown toss to Jared Cook, the only score in the game against Jacksonville. Another good defense awaits him in Chicago, where the Bears must get right after losing to Oakland in London. Mitchell Trubisky is a full practice participant, and Chicago could really use a win to stay above 500, compete with the top of the NFC. I want to know if the Bears can knock off New Orleans. And I want to know what happens when Russell Wilson goes against Lamar Jackson. Lamar and the Marks. Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown. It's an offense unlike any other, but that Ravens defense, it's not what it used to be. Not elite, just a middle-of-the-road type unit. And Russell Wilson's on fire, y'all, on the MVP track. This game looks like a shootout in the making. Finally, Eagles versus Cowboys. One of those teams is leaving Sunday night with a losing record. Two 2018 playoff teams... Life comes at you fast. Dallas has lost three in a row, but has a chance to recover pretty quickly against two NFC East opponents. What's missing from the Cowboys offense, though, and how do they fix it? Do they have the weapons to pass against the Eagles? Maybe not with Amari Cooper sitting this one out. And Philly. Oh, Philly on the road again in Dallas needing to bounce back. They're really injured, but remember now, last time Philly was on primetime, they beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Let's see if they have it in them again. Good games to watch after the main event, Vikings at Lions. A divisional class that some are calling a must-win. The Vikings need a divisional win or they'll be 0-3 in the NFC North early on in the year. The Lions trying to improve from their 500 record from their last place standing in the division. 
the offenses are even, but the Vikings feature a much better defense. And hopefully they lean on that. Hopefully they lean on that dynamic run game too on the road. Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith Jr., the cornerbacks, Rhodes, Waynes, Mack, they gotta show up. A chance to improve to 5-2 on Sunday. Can't wait. And until next time, y'all, Skull Vikes. Heat check.